0: Welcome back to The Expressionists, the podcast where your hosts, Helen Rydstrand
1: and Olivia Rosenman,
0: expose the private lies and dark pasts of everyday turns of phrase. Today, we show that the proof is in the pudding when it comes to baking idioms. Olivia is going to start us off by explaining how you can have your cake and eat it too. And then I'll try to get to um, the root of having a bun in the oven. So Olivia,
1: would you like to begin? In fact, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Most commonly, this is an expression that is used in the negative form. Because it offers advice and reflects a widely accepted truth...
0: So that means it's a proverb?
1: That's right. What it means is that you cannot or should not have or want more than you deserve or is reasonable, or that you cannot or should not try to have two incompatible things. So it's similar to you can't have it both ways or you can't have the best of both worlds.
0: Or you can't always get what you want. I mean, you can try sometimes, but you (laughs) just might find that you just get what you need.
1: Yeah, well, and no one needs cake. Wow. I mean, you need cake, but you don't really, like, need cake. Like, you need other things.
0: It seems like common sense or sort of a truism.
1: Right, but I think it also reflects a widely experienced greediness in human nature. You want to have it both ways. You want more than is reasonable. You want two things that just don't make sense. So the same meaning is expressed in other languages in perhaps more sensical ways than the English version. So in Albanian, the saying is you can't have a swim and not get wet. Oh, yes. That makes much more sense, right? Yeah, that's really clear. In French, it's about butter, which I really love. So in French, you can't want the butter and the money from selling the butter.
0: Okay. The English one is actually quite confusing compared to those, because if you have cake, then you can eat it.
1: Exactly. And in fact, this is a very common cause of consternation on the internet. I can imagine. It is, especially among people learning English. I found many forums in which they were asking how on earth this made sense. Truth is, it doesn't. Oh. Really make sense in that way, in the way that we say it, does it?
0: No, I guess not. So how does it come about, this phrase?
1: The confusion is perhaps made more clear if we look back to the first recorded usages. Mm -hmm. It was first written down in 1592 by a man called John Haywood, who I reckon we would have gotten along with swimmingly, Helen, because he was one of the English language's first documenters of proverbs and sayings. What a great guy. I reckon. His book... A Dialogue of Proverbs of the English Tongue, published in 1592, had the saying. It then appeared again in 1709 in an essay by Lord Shaftesbury, who was an English philosopher. And he wrote many essays that were often about morality. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this particular essay was on the freedom of wit and humour. And in that essay, he wrote, As ridiculous as the way of children who first eat their cake, then cry for it. They should be told, as children, they can't eat their cake and have it. About 100 years later, the Duke of Wellington, who was a British military man, and he became famous because he fought in the battle in which Napoleon was defeated at Waterloo.
0: Oh, yes. Not because of Beef Wellingtons.
1: I didn't find any references to baked beef goods. (laughs) Beef Wellington's the one in the pastry? Yeah. Yeah. Not not sure about that, uh, but he was there at Waterloo when Napoleon did surrender. Mm -hmm. My, my. He also was the Prime Minister of the UK twice. Mm-hmm. He wrote a series of letters from his campaigns in India, Denmark, Portugal, Spain, the Low Countries, the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and France. And therein was written, Our own government also, having got their cake, wants both to eat it and keep it. So, Helen, Kay. what do you notice about all these sayings? Hmm, what? Have your cake and eat it. It's the other way around? It's the other way around. <laughs> It's been flipped. Well done, Helen. Well done. (laughs) If you flip it, it makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? Because if you've eaten your cake, Uh, then it's disappeared down your pie hole. You don't have it anymore. Right. Yes. Got it? Yep. How did this flipping happen? Who flipped it and why? That's a great question, Helen, and I can't tell you why, but I can tell you who, and I can speculate as to why. Another one of the early appearances of the saying in the flipped original version was in Jonathan Swift's book on polite conversation, which I believe... We encountered just the other day. If you missed that episode, it is a satire on the stuffy manners and habits of the British upper class. So it appears in the original form in that book. That book was then adapted slash... Plagiarized mm-hmm. in 1749 by a man named Timothy Fribble. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like a plagiarizer's name. Doesn't it? <laughs> My speculation is that the reason that this man flipped it is because he's a bit dim. Oh, you think he's just dumb? <laughs> so he he wrote, "She cannot have her cake and eat her cake." This was the first recorded usage of it being flipped, and it's very interesting. And I will post images of the Google Ngram search because you see in around 18, early 1800s, you see the rise of having the cake and eating it and the decline from there on of eating the cake and having it.
0: Wow. Do you want to quickly explain what an Ngram is for
1: those who are not familiar with this new digital humanities technique? It's amazing. And if you're not, just get onto it. It's super exciting. So it's a tool that allows you to search all the books that have been scanned onto Google Books which are a lot, for the appearance of certain words or phrases. They then graph them very nicely. We'll put a link on the show notes on the website. I would also like to speculate that I think right now we are witnessing yet another shift in the usage of this phrase because when I consulted that corpus of linguistics that is Twitter, I found that people increasingly are using it in a positive form, you can have your cake and eat it too. (laughs) And maybe that's a reflection of modern day snake oil salespeople because a lot of this was about people sharing their secrets and life hacks in reference to things like work life balance Uh or diets. So being able to, you know, have a good work life balance, but still earn a lot or being able to eat what you want, but still you have some sort of diet thing going on. So, for example, Andrew, whose Twitter handle is at Live Rich Cheaply, said, want to have your cake and eat it too? Join me on my financial journey in saving while still enjoying life.
0: What you're saying is that modern people are getting just sort of greedier and greedier, refusing to accept that you can't have your cake and Mm -hmm. eat it
1: too. Yeah, I think we're refusing to be bound by antiquated approaches to morality and Mm -hmm. propriety. Okay.
0: It reminds me a bit of that book, The Four-Hour Workweek or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Someone explained to me that the, I haven't also not read it, but the secret to having a four-hour workweek is just to redefine most of the things that you do not work, right? So you do a lot of things that earn you money, but you like them. So it's not really work. Clever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally snake oil. I mean, it's work for him.
1: It's often used in politics. So, oh, it is. Well, yeah. So one of the first usages, as I said, was the Duke of Wellington, who said that the government had got their cake and now they wanted to eat it too.
0: And this is being done soberly and meticulously. And um, and I don't recognise, I any of the. So have cake, of that. have cake and eat it is not the official government policy towards Brexit. Um. <laughs>
1: What I just played you was between a BBC journalist and a Conservative MP who was being interrogated after some handwritten notes in the arms of the aide of a Conservative MP were caught by a photographer. On those handwritten notes was scrawled that the Conservative Party was pursuing a have-cake-and-eat-it model with Brexit. <laughs> You might argue that the UK is one of the most cake-loving nations in the world. Well, they have the Great Bake Off. They have the Great Bake Off. They invented the Victoria Sponge.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a cake is a pretty British thing.
1: Yeah, but in fact, the proverb has already come up a few times in relation to Brexit, and it makes sense. Sometimes it's just been referred to as the cake philosophy in relation to Brexit.
0: The cake philosophy, I Mm -hmm. love
1: it. Mm -hmm. So even a few months before this whole brouhaha with the handwritten notes, the EU Council President Donald Tusk had said that it was very silly for anyone to think that Britain could successfully have the EU cake and eat it. To all who believe in it, I propose a simple experiment. Buy a cake, eat it and see if it is still there on the (laughs) plate. Anyways. Yeah. Thanks, Donald Tusk. Yeah. So that's it.
0: All gone. Yeah. There's still a bun in the oven.
1: Yes, well, good, because I, I feel hungry for a bun. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't want to eat the bun. That bun, jeez. It <laughs> uh, just
0: went to a pretty dark place pretty quickly. Yeah, sorry. Obviously, my baking-related phrase is bun in the oven, and I'm sure you know this one, Olivia.
1: I know it, and I know a few people with buns in their ovens right now.
0: A lot of people have buns in their ovens yes. when you're 30-year-old women, I think. Yep. Yeah. It's really common. It's a really well-known one. And if I stop to think about it, i describe it as a sort of slightly bawdy metaphor slash euphemism for pregnancy. A dictionary of English folklore mentions that a mentally impaired child is uh, half-baked. So this idea of a baby as a bun or a kind of baked good comes through there as well in a pretty disturbing way. That's quite offensive. Yes. 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 The history of English is pretty offensive.
1: True. Especially in relation to women's bodies. Well, yes, for Mm. sure. As I think that this example
0: shows a little bit. So it has some cousins in a few European languages as well. So with apologies to any actual speakers of these languages. In Italian, you have una pagnotta nel forno. Mm-hmm. And in Swedish, you have en bulle i onion
1: mm. pagnotta. I mean, I assume that's related to pane in a way. Is that a bread roll? And then what's the bulle bul- in onion in Swedish? Bulle
0: is also it's um, a, sort of bread. It's a bun. Yeah, right. it's the roll, bun roll thing. There's something with a history about hot cross buns in there, but we won't go into it now. Okay. And similarly, in Danish, you'd have a cake in the oven and hage in ovnen. Also, in German, you'd have a roast instead of a bun.
1: I mean, that makes more sense because it's meat-based.
0: Einen <laughs> braten in der Röhre haben. Is this an
1: idiom, you reckon?
0: Yes, that's right. So you couldn't really guess what it means from the words contained in the phrase, could you?
1: No. Or maybe with the roast. But anyway, <laughs> when did people start saying that? Because I feel, my feeling is it's a more modern, mm. I don't know why I have that feeling. Am I right?
0: Yes and no. <laughs> so I actually thought before I started doing the research for this that it was probably an Australian one. But that's not at all true. Just, I guess, because of the boardiness, <laughs> I assume. I reckon we would have said a roll in the
1: oven. A roll? Yeah, like a bread roll. We only say bun in the context of hot cross bun. Hot
0: cross buns. Finger bun, finger buns. The Oxford English Dictionary lists it among a few slang phrases relating to buns. So to take the bun, which is a variant of to take the cake, and for the surprising origin of that phrase, see our website for the transcription of us explaining that at our launch party. In New Zealand slang, to do one's bun means to lose your temper. That needs further investigation. Maybe I don't really understand how that works. The first recorded usage of a bun in the oven, is really recent, actually. So it's 1951 in a text called Cruel Sea. I bet you left a bun in the oven, both of you, said Bennett thickly. Lockhart explained, dot, 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 the reference to pregnancy.
1: To me, that's interesting that it should appear in the 50s, or not interesting, it makes sense that it should appear in the 50s when women were at the height of being in the kitchen. Makes yeah. sense. She's the one who's making the buns, both figuratively and literally yes. at that time.
0: Interesting that you say that, but according to Patricia O'Connor and Stuart Kellerman, who have a great blog called Gramophobia, the word oven has been used as slang for vagina or womb, pretty much all the same, isn't it, since at least the end of the 17th century.
1: I mean, it makes much sense. Earlier. It's warm
0: in there. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's right. They also quote a medieval historian by the name of Beryl Rowland, who describes it as a colloquial use of an ancient folk metaphor with roots in classical times. So apparently in an article in the journal American Speech, she wrote, the ancient gods such as Zeus were conceived as millers and their consorts as mills. The human race was the product they ground and baked. And on a terrestrial scale, man
1: and woman performed similar functions. I'm not a religious person, so I don't understand enough the symbolism around the communion because you eat a bit of bread, don't you? It's the flesh and blood of Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, body of Christ. Yeah. So is this not somehow potentially related?
0: Um, I guess to think about it, if this is ancient Greek folk law, thinking of the body as a kind of bread that's baked, so there's some idea that perhaps those earlier mythological connotations came through into Christianity and the weird side side door kind of way.
1: Makes sense to me.
0: Maybe. I mean, there's a lot of instances of that, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Easter, Estra being one pagan religion in Europe. Anyway, I thought that was pretty fascinating.
1: I agree that it's very fascinating. Going back to the
0: word bun and the etymology of that word on its own, I think is actually helpful here as well.
1: I don't know. What is the etymology of the word bun?
0: Well, I'm glad you are interested to know the Oxford English Dictionary says it's a doubtful etymology, but in Old French, the word bûgne, modern French,
1: bouillie. Related to a donut,
0: a French donut, which is a bignée. Oh, yes, exactly. Okay. And this occurs with the sense in Old French of swelling produced by a blow, like when you get an egg on your head after someone's hit you.
1: Yes, what a donut does when it hits hot oil. <laughs>
0: Yeah, or indeed anything does, you know, dough does when it's heated up, it Mm -hmm. swells. So it's conjectured that Old French bunier, originally meaning swelling, may have had the unrecorded sense of puffed loaf, bunier, and may have been adopted into English as a bun. But the OED is pretty insistent that this is kind of hypothetical and they're not really sure about it. So this might mean that a swelling of the belly when one is with child could come from being hit. Seems like it would have some connection to that other charming phrase, to be knocked up, also meaning pregnant. And oh boy, are there a lot of expressions for pregnancy, like different ways of saying it. And actually, I came across a blog online that pointed out that the word pregnant itself was originally metaphorical, since its earlier meaning, which is obviously still in use, but much less commonly, was highly significant or full of meaning.
1: Like a pregnant pause. Exactly. Nicely done. So any good modern usages you came across? Yes. So I found that
0: it is the English title for a French film,
1: which uh, the French title is Le Petit
0: Locataire, which literally means The Little tenant, which I quite like. So that's a film about a reluctant 49-year-old mother-to-be. There are also a couple of tweets that I liked, one by someone called Lane at L-A-Y-N-E. I'm not saying Brian Lilly, who apparently is a conservative journalist and media personality in Ottawa, Canada.
1: Well, shout out to our Canadian
0: listeners. (laughs) Currently with the online news and opinion platform The Rebel Media. So Lane's not saying that Brian Lilly is stupid, but one time his wife told him that there was a bun in the oven, so he went out and bought a jar of jam. And then I just wanted to finish up by giving a bit of a shout-out to a woman who calls herself Fanny Pat (laughs) on Twitter. That's P-H-A-N-I-E, (laughs) P-A-C-K. And she's got a picture of herself um, with the caption, got a bun in the oven... And it's her with a little rabbit down her jumper. Oh,
1: I didn't see the rabbit head. Well, this is a great picture. And Fanny Pack, if you're listening, right? To us we'll send you a mug. And everyone else, go to our website and check out the picture because um, it's great. It's something else. So there you go. That's the way the cookies crumbled. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes and say hi to us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle is X Podcast. That's E-X Podcast. We take requests. Thanks for listening. See you next time on The Expressionists. See you later. there will be no cakes on the table for anyone there will be only salt and vinegar